Let's pray. God, as we gather together, as we approach your throne in worship, we recognize you are a mighty God. And God, as we gather at home and here in the, this building that you have blessed us with, Father, we recognize that the church is out. That as we recognize, as you call us as the church, and as we do life together, we are the church. And as we experience hardships, as we go through whatever may be in front of us, we recognize that we are the church. And God, as we are the church, may we be the church in joy, in love, in grace. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. We continue our journey through the book of Acts as we look at how was the church the church in the beginning. And as we look at how the church responded to things, to the calling of Christ, to adversity that may be in front of them, we can learn how do we need to be the church? How do we need to be following the calling of God within our church family and church universal and as individuals and as individual families? As we peek into um, chapter 11 this morning, setting the stage here, the church has been growing. The apostles have been sharing and new converts have been sharing. And as they have been doing this, in some communities, it's been causing a ruckus. And that as people were living life and proclaiming Jesus, it was upsetting the status quo in many places. And as that status quo was upset, the early Christians, many of their lives were very disrupted. And can you imagine for a moment that as you go into work and you're all excited because you have learned about the Messiah, you've learned about the Christ, the Savior of the universe, and you have experienced grace and freedom, and as you're just naturally sharing this enthusiasm, your coworkers look at you kind of funny. And what is this new thing? Do you not believe in Zeus and Apollo? What, what's going on? Have you, or have you forfeited the faith of your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? What are you doing? And so these early Christians, many of them begin suffering. Imagine then going to work the next day and you find out you no longer are welcome there. You no longer have a job. And then as you go home and as you experience life with your neighbors, you you're still have this enthusiasm in Jesus because you have been forgiven, that you have recognized that Jesus saves. And you just can't help but tell everyone about it that you meet. But then you notice some of your farm animals are disappearing. And as you're maybe taunted by your neighbors about your faith. And you recognize it's hard to be living here with the adversity that comes from having an exciting faith in Christ. And so can you imagine then meeting with your family and discussing, what do we do? Do we stay here? Do we go? Do I find a new job? And as the family comes together and they pray about what do we do of making that decision, we need to move. And we need to go to a new location, find new jobs, find a new place to live. And imagine the stress that a person would be feeling in that situation. I can't imagine 
You know, if Lisa and I, in that situation, say if I lost my job as I'm proclaiming Christ, Lisa losing her job um, teaching nursing at Ivy Tech because of, of faith, and then through the adversity of that, how would that affect our faith? How would that affect our attitude? How would that affect the way that we had perspective on life? Would we still be full of joy? Would we still be excited about our faith and who Christ was calling us to be? Or would we get depressed because of the, the adversity that we were experiencing? It would be tough. I have to admit that. But let's peek in to chapter 11. And I'm going to start reading with verse 19. And it says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled far as um, Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word among only the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak with Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turn to the Lord. And a, a word that caught my eye in 19 was the word scattered. And as we look at these few verses, which I remember reading through this um, when we were going through the book of Acts and reading since, and I remember just thinking a little bit, uh, but as I read it this time, it really caught my eye that this word scattered is not a pleasant thing. The word scattered means you can't live at home anymore. This word scattered means that because of persecution that you're experiencing, you're being forced from your home, your job, your community, and you're going out. As I mentioned, as I put myself in this place, I think I would be disgruntled. I would be upset. I would be frightened by what was going on. Not knowing what my future holds is scary for me not knowing where exactly I'm going to go and, and what I'm going to have to face. Those things are frightening for me, and I can imagine that it would be easy for me to be kind of knocked off kilter a little bit of being scared and, and leaving. But as we read here, that's not what happened with these early brothers and sisters of ours. In fact, as they were scattered, apparently their faith was such that as they were scattered, they were still filled with a joy, filled with a sense of forgiveness, still filled with a sense of excitement, that they were growing the church as they were being scattered. I mean, to me, that's amazing. So imagine going to work and finding out you're losing your job and having a coworker see you lose your job and have that coworker say, can you tell me more about your faith? Can you tell me about why you're still excited about life and enthusiastic and full of joy, even as you've gotten kicked out of work? That as they were pursuing the love and direction of Christ, and they were experiencing all this adversity, that they were being scattered throughout the Roman Empire, they were still growing the church. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing to me that the joy that they had, 
was still just bubbling over. And so that's the question that I have for us. As we experience fear about what's going on, as we experience um, loss of what we've had in the past and we're grieving over the loss of that, are we still pointing fingers at Jesus? Are we, by how we're living our lives, pointing to the Savior of the world, Savior of the universe, as we go through this experience in such a way that our joy is contagious in the midst of our own suffering, in the midst of our own tragedy of what's going on in our lives. And I am just floored with this. 21 says, The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. You see, early in Acts, we had the Great Commission. And the Great Commission, um, Jesus was sharing with them to go and to all the world. As you're living your life in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world, bring my good news. And maybe at the time, little did they know that maybe they were thinking, that's great, I will share the joy in Galilee, and as I live my life and go to work, I will be sharing that. But God used the adversity that they were experiencing and God used the adversity that was causing them to be scattered to bring glory to his name as they shared the joy that they were experiencing through that. Life can be tough. And as I look around, I recognize um, there's been tragedy in our community within different families and tragedy within workplaces as work is hard to come by in some places. But as we experience the adversity of this, are we pointing our fingers to Jesus by how we live our lives? I am just so amazed at how well that they did this. To take a, a closer look then, as we continue going through this chapter, I want us to look at Barabbas. And as we look at, here's, as this, the writer here, Luke, is going through and he's talking about the joy and things growing, then he has a little blurb here about this incredible person named, um, I said Barabbas, but I meant Barnabas, as we look at his life. So going to 22 at this point, news of this, the growth that was happening, reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And some of the key points that I get out of this is that he had empathy for outsiders in that as much of the, the people who grew up within the Hebrew faith, within Judaism, um, it was tough for them to understand that God was for everyone. But Barnabas understood this. And he had empathy for all of the Greeks who were out there that did not have a relationship with God. And because of that compassion, he understood they needed Jesus. And nothing should go between them and them finding Jesus. And because of this, his understanding that he and his walk and the other fellow Christians needed to do everything they could to encourage that. And to encourage those who were outside of the faith to be brought into the faith and not doing anything to prevent that from happening and to make that 
clear to them to see that, yes, if a Greek person surrenders their life at the foot of the cross to Jesus, then that is something to celebrate, and that's an amazing thing to be happy about. So Barnabas, one, was empathetic to those outside of the church. Another thing is I noticed that his submission to God's call through the church. There at the end of 22, it says, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So his willingness to go and do. So as we live our lives, are we that available? I read once where usually people who experience great growth in their lives through being called and being sent, for example, being a missionary, that it's easier very often that that happens to young people because very often the young people are the people who are ready for, and by young people I mean they're in that transition from leaving the home to going out to work in the real world. So for them to hear God's calling and to leave and go and do is something, and that, that's how I experienced in my life. I was at this transition period where I hadn't started a career yet. I was still working on my education. I heard God calling. And so as I discussed that with my, my girlfriend, Lisa, and we, we prayed about that and made that calling. If we are at a different place in life, sometimes that may be tougher because we're settled in. You know, we're in a groove. We're in a place where we are... Everything is mapped out. We know where we're going in our career and in our future, and we have our family started, and it's harder. But I think Barnabas is at a place that no matter where he is at in his life with whatever is happening, when his church family come to him and say, something is exciting is happening over there, and we need someone to go and encourage that and to help them. Let's send Barnabas. So Barnabas is an early Christian who from this looks like who is willing to go, who is willing to change his life, to give up things, to do what the Holy Spirit is leading to be done. And so he's willing that. So within your position in life, are you willing to make major changes in your life to do and be where God is sending you? Am I ready to do that in my life? Another Thing that I see when I look at Barnabas is looking at his vision of God's grace in an imperfect church. And in 23, for example, when he says he sees God's grace and what is going on, the situation here is that the early church, just like now, was not perfect because it was made of people. And human beings had different ideas on what was going on. As they're prayerfully asking to be led by the Holy Spirit and what they're doing, sometimes people are trying to discern what that is and they have disagreements. And as they're praying together and looking at what that looks like together, there can be divisions. And there was divisions in the early church as well. But as despite this as it's going on and some of the diversity of thought that is happening as he walked into this situation he saw that God was doing a mighty work and so for us 
I want us to do the same thing. Whenever we see that there's different ideas on how to do things and we're discerning about where's the Holy Spirit leading us to understand that God and the Holy Spirit works through the diversity of who we are. And we have different mindsets on things. We may be people who are, have different ideas on politics and those kind of things. But as we come together and understand that God can work through each and every one of us, despite our limitations and our failings, that God can work through us. And if we allow God to do that, then God can do very powerful things, even through our faults and our difficulties and our disagreements. That as we put our eyes on Christ and we point to Christ, then we find unity as we move forward in the direction that God calls us to be. As we continue looking, we understand that Barnabas had great joy over other people's lives. It says, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. When he saw the joy that was happening in other people's lives, it brought him joy. And he was glad because of it. So as we see the early church was celebrating, celebrating the movement of God and the work of God. I so appreciate when I see opportunities for us to do this. And I notice some of our families, let's say when there's a, a baptism in the family, they throw a great party. And I think that's an awesome idea. So whenever we see God working in someone's life, do we really get excited by that? Do we get excited about what's going on? I'm excited now for Lucas Rector. As um, two weeks ago, he um, submitted his life to Christ. And that's something to shout about. That's something to be excited about as we look at a person taking that step, surrendering all that they are, and following Jesus. That's amazing. Are you really excited by that? Are you really glad about that when that happens in someone's life? Also see um, one thing as we look at Barnabas is that he exerted himself when he saw the perseverance of the saints. 23 says that when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them, exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with a steadfast purpose. Whenever we see our fellow brothers and sisters struggling, here we see coming alongside and encouraging one another. It is so easy when we see someone struggling in one way or another to think, oh, that's a shame. I hate to see that. I hate to hear that going on. But maybe a better reaction would be to call a person up and say, can I help you with that? As a friend, I see that this has been tough for you. Can I come alongside of you and help you with that? Friend to friend, brother to brother, sister to sister. Can we help you, resource you to help you overcome the situation that you're in? And this could be a variety of things, from a financial situation to losing a job to a, a health situation or to a situation where um, they're really struggling in their faith. Or maybe it's a major sin crisis where someone has um, neglected their calling and they have been 
not being the person God is calling them to be, to come alongside of them and say, I want to help you to be who God's calling you to be and in a, a unique way befriend someone to be who God is calling them to be. And then outside of this particular passage, one thing that we see about Barnabas is that he's really trustworthy. That one of, as we, we learn that because of the, the famine that's going on um, around that entire region and poverty that's reaching um, different places, money was collected and Barnabas was trusted with that. And so he was a very trustworthy person. And I would say this is a person that we should be trustworthy people. As looking at the example of the early church, can we be trusted with things, um, financial and other, to be part of the family of God and to be trusted with things that are very important? As we look through these marks of the early church, I want us to all just take a breath and really sincerely open our hearts up to God and to say, God, which of these traits of the early church do I need to work on? Are there traits in my own life? As I look at this passage myself, early on as I, I see this, I see and I'm challenged by that if I'm experiencing this extreme adversity because of my faith, would I be excited about my faith as much as the early church is to be able to, when I'm around people, that my faith would be contagious? It's hard to know because I haven't experienced that adversity. Um, I've just recently um, volunteered to be a part of a group in town that looks at... Um, the, the tragedy that happens to, to children, how that affects them throughout the rest of their lives. And you can take a, a test, an ACE test, to look at your adversity that you experience as a child and look at, you get a score on how does that affect you um, the rest of your life. And I took the little test and I, I was a zero, which means I didn't experience adversity as a child. Um, and Lisa often... Um, in a good-natured humor, says, yes, your parents were the cleavers. And, you know, it is unusual for you to come home from school and dad to come home from work and get a kiss from mom. And she say, dinner will be on the, the stove or on the table in about 30 minutes. And then we sit around the table. And, yeah. So that was, that was my childhood, and I was very blessed by that. But if I experienced real adversity... How would I respond to that? Would I respond with joy and grace and be excited about Jesus through the midst of that? That's, that's something the Holy Spirit is speaking to me about this morning and encouraging me that, this, that with my um, emotional structure that I have in my little brain, how can I show the enthusiasm that I have for Christ and how I live my life every day in words as well as deeds. So for the rest of us, I want us to be thinking at a couple questions. And as we look at these questions, I want us to really think about reflectively, what do you find the most stressful in your life right now? And just take a moment and really consider that. What is most stressful for you 
And then as you recognize that stress, how can you point to Jesus in the middle of that? How can you point to Jesus in the middle of the stress that you're experiencing and do that with joy? So as we conclude this worship service, I want us to really think about that. And as Linda plays our last um, this meditation, just listen to the Holy Spirit. And I want to challenge myself and all of us. What is it that we can do to be who God calls us to be as the church? And as we are scattered in whatever way that is and experience whatever stress is in front of us, can we point to Jesus in the middle of that in such a way that it's contagious and that people want to be a part of what we're experiencing? Dear Heavenly Father, as we recognize the joy that you bring to us, God, help us to have the same joy that the early church had. We look at this joy of, of Barnabas and the others as they our living lives that can we be called the son or daughter of encouragement as well in the midst of pain. So God, we want that. We want that so that we can boldly be sharing in joy. So God, teach us this morning how to do that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.